This is the Sound of Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does. He scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and Rossi much more. fights off an Anna's check. Sends it back to Kulikov. Cuts to the middle. Hands to Beckman. He scores! What a throws to work for the Wild. Centers one. Eriksson Ek with a shot. He scores! Jewel Eriksson Ek. He's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. And now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn, our first official episode of the 20. 20- 21-2022 NHL season. Brett Marshall joined as always by my pals Zika Boyat and Justin Baki. Gentlemen, my voice is still recovering from Tuesday. Um, I just started profile by Sanford too, so I'm feeling great. How are you guys uh, doing tonight? Zeke, how about you? Oh, I'm doing really good. I, uh, you know, as mentioned, the, the game we'll talk about later on Tuesday was fun to be back at the rank. I've got, I've had two cups of coffee today, including one 20 minutes ago, uh, pre-show ritual. So uh, I got the, got the energy ready to go. Uh, just, uh, just happy to be, uh, happy talking hockey again. Maybe I have to give you uh, some extra talking to save my voice a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Justin, what about you? Oh yeah. I'm doing good. Just uh, finished up work today. Uh, we're about to celebrate our <clears throat> wedding anniversary this weekend, our oh, sixth right. wedding anniversary. So Very exciting! Congrats! Uh, then, yeah, thank you. And then Miko's hockey and uh, Miko and Amelia's skating lessons are really ramping up. So pretty busy between that and the house stuff coming up. So just uh, enjoying the wild hockey, uh, you know, to kind of relax and then maybe not relax even with all these games have gone. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Busy times. It's great to have wild hockey back uh, on the television in person, all of that. Uh, We're going to dive into a whole bunch of wild content today, but let's start with kind of a a feel-good story of the day. Um, It was all over Twitter today, so we'll we'll touch on it here briefly before we dive into kind of the the weekly recap. Um, Courtesy of Daniel Spurgeon and Marcus Foligno, we got a little bit of insight into the uh, Minnesota Wild team Halloween party. All the players, the significant others were there. Um, some really funny costumes. Let's just break this down really quick before we uh, before we get too much into the other things today. So, guys, what was just kind of your favorite uh, costume, or, or maybe even couple duo? Because uh, there was some there, there was some doubles there as well. Honestly, I, I have a couple that I like. I like the uh, John Merrill, Larry Bird get up. He's got that uh, that perfect hairdo and, and mustache to go with it. It really does. And, and then I think my other favorite is the Nick Bugestead going as Nico Sturm. He's got the hair cut down and everything. <laughs> oh, absolutely hilarious. And then the icing on the cake. So I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure um, Bugestead's girlfriend um, went as Taylor Turnquist. 
um, in in the uh, Clarkson jersey, the national championship hat, and Taylor Turnquist is Nicholas's girlfriend. So uh, pretty clever costumes on, on on their part. Those are probably that was probably my, one of my favorites. Just like the simplicity, but also the hilarity. Like those just acknowledging yeah. that you know, like yeah, we could be twins. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that was good. Well, for me personally, uh, I think it was it was Cam Talbot was uh, up as the Joker with the face, with the uh, you know, the makeup and all that, yeah. all the, the get up on. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and, and like you guys, I think you guys kind of picked up another one. It's just uh, you know, that, I mean, that's always funny every year when they, you know, basically every team does that. You always see the uh, pictures over social media, so it, it was funny. All of them. And then the the other one I'll point out. I'll I'll give a shout out to uh, Cooper Hine for pointing this out on the Instagram page, but. Uh, Ryan Hartman with a spot-on Drew Doughty costume uh, as well. Um, he, he, he was a clown. Um, so I thought that was a, a, a pretty witty comment. But uh, we do have, if you haven't seen the pictures yet, uh, there are some other really, really good costumes. I don't want to spoil all of them if you haven't seen them yet. So go ahead to, our, uh, to either Felino's Instagram, Danny Spurgeon's Instagram, uh, or to our Twitter page to check that out. Uh, but, Justin, it's, uh, it's another week. We're in season, which means it's time for the weekly prospect update. So we will uh, – Hand the reins over to you to kind of let us know what's been going on. All right. Uh, I don't know if I touched on some of this last week, but I'm still going to touch on what I have uh, written down here. Uh, basically, it will start in the Swedish Hockey League with Philip Johansson, who's uh, – he didn't have too bad of a game today. He only had like a maybe a shot on goal. But before that, uh, the two games before that, he had four points, uh, one goal, three assists, kind of in a hot streak. He's not having too bad of a season actually over there. Um, and then, of course, uh, Jesper Wallstead played today. Uh, his team did not get the win. They lost three to one. One of the goals was an empty net goal, but he's given his team basically a chance every single night. Seven of his eight starts have been uh, two goals or less. So, you know, he's, what is it? Five and four. So he's given his team a chance. Just they're not always giving them the goal support to, you know, go along with it. Then, uh, Sam Henches, Jack Pert both scored their first uh, goals of the season. Uh, Jack Pert's goal was his first collegiate career collegiate goal. I think I touched on that last week, but I had it written down. Then uh, <clears throat> Iowa started their season split with Texas. Uh, Marco Rossi scored his first pro goal, which is pretty awesome. Yep. It was mm-hmm. uh, actually a pretty nice wraparound goal. I don't know if you guys saw it. Yeah, it was. It was yep. pretty. Oh, yeah. And last night, uh, or not, yeah, it was last night, uh, Ryan O'Rourke picked up three assists. He had uh, assist on the game time and uh, overtime game-winning goal. So, you know, he, he had a good night and played rough as always. <laughs> Carson, Carson Lambos had a four-point week in two games. He, he's looking really good on a – his team is really good, though, Winnipeg. They're maybe one of the top two teams in the WHL. They're just insanely good. <clears throat> and then uh, the Kamloops boys, uh, I, I think I touched on this last week, but Caden uh, Bankier had eight points in four games. And last I checked, I think he was tied for first in goals in the WHL. And he was first in power play goals, which is pretty awesome. You know, we kind of saw Adam Beckman do that a couple of years ago. So, yeah, the Wild uh, appear to have an affinity for their uh, for their guys in the dub, so uh, good to yeah. see them succeed. Yep. yep. And then one last thing I saw that uh, Michael Russo put out there. Uh, Lod- Ivan Lodnia is suspended from the team for not reporting to the ECHL after not making Iowa, and he's kind of still deciding if he's going to report or not. So kind of a guy that I had 
you know, a little excitement, a little upside for, but uh, maybe maybe this is the crossroad of his career with us. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, it would be kind of an unfortunate way for things to end. I think when I saw that news come out, I, I tweeted out something on the lines of, you know, he was a guy I was really hopeful for, you know, a guy that you really wanted to cheer for. It, it just seems like, you know, almost like the, the Jerry Mayhew type where he just wasn't quite able to take, you know, mm-hmm. that next step. And, and now it seems right. to be a little bit of a fallout kind of in progress with not reporting and, you know, potentially having to go to the ECHL. And once you're there, it's a, it's a pretty long climb back, but. All yeah. the best to Lodney. We don't wish we don't wish poorly on those guys, but you just hope that you know maybe you can figure it out one day. But kind of a bummer mm-hmm. for uh, for that. Yep. All right. Well, I'll carry us into the next segment. Analytics will be back this year in a little bit different way. So last year, I you know we we I took some time and kind of kicked it in like mid season, and I kind of went through and explained a bunch of the stats. So. Uh, two ways you can kind of get the recaps on those. Either go back and listen to the shows. I could not tell you where they start. Um, check out the descriptions. It should be in there. Uh, but the other thing you can do on my on my personal Twitter profile, at B underscore Marsh 92, uh, in the bio there is a three-part article series that kind of explains all the analytics that I will primarily talk about. Um, so feel free to read those. If you don't know what I, if everything that I'm saying to you is, uh, if, if you're new to the show, if you're new to analytics, um, I recommend that. It's probably about a half hour in total to read those three articles, um, and you should get a pretty good high-level understanding of analytics. But uh, this year what I want to do is just kind of highlight different types of advanced stats, whether at a team level uh, or an individual level uh, after kind of e- each show. So this is we're going to focus on the team level because the Wild have had just a great team start to the season, um, especially at 5-on-5. Five five. So there's kind of some some stats from 5-on-5. Five five. Let's start with uh, <clears throat> their Corsi, which is shot attempts um, that – all shot attempts, and they are uh, currently out attempting their opponents 153 to 120. Uh, all these are at five on five. That's a 56.04% Corsi four percentage. That's fourth best in the league, and that comes along with a 91 to 60 shot advantage, a 60.2% um, shot advantage. That's a third in the league. Expected goals is right up there as well, 6.72 to 3.69. Uh, 64.56% on the expected goal share advantage. That's third in the league as well. This all coming with a .999 PDO, which means they're pretty much scoring, getting all the saves that they should more or less. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they also have a 28 to 19 high danger advantage. That's 59.57. That's seventh best in the league. So just like absolute dominance at five on five, but they've also been incredible on the on the power play. Justin, they're right on the cusp of that top five right now at seventh, scoring four power play goals and 11 chances, 36.4%. The Redemption Tour, you doubled down. It's looking good so far. Yeah. And then the penalty kill has been awesome as well. 13 out of 15 penalties killed good for 86.67%, second best in the league. So just every facet of the game right now, the Minnesota Wild dominating. Uh, you know, some hiccups last game against Winnipeg. We'll talk about that. But overall, I mean, it, you know, it's – couple weaker teams but winnipeg's a good team you know dallas or yeah. no, excuse me, not dallas anaheim and, and um la are teams that are you know expected to take steps forward this year and you know they they handled those teams in the way that they should so it's a, a great start you know i i think the biggest thing and the reason why i want to bring this up is these were a lot of metrics where we didn't really see the wild dominate as much last year especially the shot attempt apartment i think last year you know, we saw this team a lot of times, you know, kind of getting out attempted. Maybe it wasn't, you know, the quality of shots wasn't as high. But now, not only are they limiting, you know, these high danger chances and, and these danger areas, but they're also, you know, mm-hmm. not, not letting shots get through in general. I mean, they, they've been, everyone's been great at blocking shots. I think Jared Spurgeon, I don't actually have the official number in front of me, but I can, I think, vividly remember at least 
four or five either shot blocks or uh, you know plays where he blocked a pass that would have led to a shot on goal. I mean, just all those guys just bought in to that. So just a great start for the Wild. Uh, you know, however you slice a three and zero, they've got all the goals. They they're dominating play. Um, just just the exact start that we wanted to see from this team. Yeah, I think. Uh... I mean, like you said, it uh, perfectly just uh, came obviously through games, but, you know, everything, obviously, when you, anyways, when you win through games, everything's going to look great. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think, you know, you, you said the penalty kill right now is second in the league. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, we'll talk about this here in the, when we get to the third game there a little bit. But that's been the one thing that I've, you know, felt like maybe that's just the last game bias was a little shaky, maybe. I mean, you know, maybe they haven't gotten scored on, but I mean, you know, again, hey, when, uh, I'll take being second in anything every time. So. Yeah, for sure. Right. I feel like even though we are three and all, we still have a long ways to go. Like we look good. I'm not saying we didn't look good. I'm just saying this team is just going to continue to gel. Yep. And, and you can see kind of the, you know, kind of where work needs to be done, but mm-hmm. they're finding ways to win. Yeah. Yep. So, so let's recap some of these games. Let's go in order. Let's start with that season opener. Uh, against the uh, <clears throat> excuse me the the Anaheim Ducks, um, the Wild kind of battle back in that one, uh, p- pretty tight through and through. Um, Anthony Stolarz in typical uh, backup goalie fashion against the Wild looked dominant, uh, but the Wild in the end ultimately able to uh, kind of rally, pull out the victory, uh, two to one. They mm-hmm. get a uh, a cup. They you know they come back from down one nothing and get a very late Marcus Foligno game winner with eight seconds left on the clock. So. Just kind of your guys' thoughts in that one um, about the Wilds' performance. Well, first of all, I'm going to correct you. It's it's the Wilds. Yeah, um, according to Leah Hextall. So, uh, you know, don't want to harp on too much, but I thought that, you know, that, that that was getting a lot of attention last night. But, yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, again, first game of the year, it's usually never going to be pretty. Um, you know, and as you said, I think uh, – you know, I think the Ducks are maybe a little bit better than, than we all can kind of remember them as last year. I mean, certainly they're not good, but you, you can obviously see some of the talent there. And John John Gibson looks like through the first few games that he's maybe has been more like his old self a little bit. Obviously, he didn't play in the Wild game, but yeah, no, I think it, it was it was a good game. I mean, you know, the top line didn't do much, but then obviously they got the power play goal from Fiala and kind of a cross crease uh, from Zuccarello. Zuccarella. Uh, another thing in the broadcast but uh yeah no it was again like you said uh, like justin said a win is a win and you know maybe it was an ugly boring game late at night at 9 30 against the team you saw eight times just like four months ago but you know again take the two points and, and run with that every time yeah i mean i i felt like throughout for a good portion of the game i was i was pretty frustrated i know mm-hmm. you know we didn't tie it till late in the second but i was like oh man we're gonna let stolars steal a win from us aren't we like yes. what was it we ended up out shooting them for the game like it was 43 to 29 yep. yeah mm-hmm. i'm looking at it right now and then the power play was a little frustrating that game i felt like yeah. if i'm thinking right they couldn't really get anything set up and i was like i'm doubling down and making myself look double <laughs> double double stupid but and then it came around yeah yep. then it came around but uh you know we saw mark Salino you know, become the hero and, and score with seven seconds left. And, you know, I didn't think that we could win a game any more uh, exciting than that, but I was wrong. But, yeah, it was it was a good uh, good good win. Uh, you know, good teams find good ways to win, and, and we're doing that, like I've said before. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they continued the trend uh, going the next night. 
uh, down the road to Los Angeles to play the Kings. Um, pulled out a squeaky one, three to two, uh, led by three uh, second period goals from uh, Freddie Gaudreau, his first with the Wild, uh, Victor Rask. <laughs> um, of all people, and then uh, Ryan Hartman uh, scored what would be the eventual game winner with a uh, after a pretty awesome shift, uh, battling all the shift with Drew Doughty, and then <laughs> rubbing it in his face uh, when he finally yep. scored. So uh, d- another great game. This one a little bit closer. LA actually had the shot advantage, thirty-one to thirty. Um, they, you know they, they looked a little bit discombobulated at times, but again, Justin, as you said, good teams find a way to win, and they were able to kind of hold off the Kings there in that third period, disallowed the one goal, and and kind of came out with the win. You know, something else that sticks out to me, something you talked about, you know, Spurgeon blocking all his shots. But in that game, we out-blocked them in shots 15-6, to 6, which probably was a big difference in that, that one-goal game and maybe saved, saved us even. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think uh, yeah, I think like, like you mentioned in that, the Rascal was a, you know, that was a snipe after a great pass by Kaprizov when he kind of came in the zone, you know, stopped at the, the hash mark by the board, spun around, found him right in the slot, and he just uh, then whipped it over the glove quick. But, I mean, you know, obviously the big story of that game was, you know, especially if if, if you're on Twitter, like most of you probably are, you saw uh, the Drew Doughty stuff. I mean, Brett posted a bunch of stuff on the podcast account with the, the, the videos yeah. Uh, also, shout out to uh, shout out to podcast guest Aspen. Uh, they were the ones yes. that uh, pointed it out, put the video out there, and, and and made it blow up. So shout out Aspen. Yeah. I mean, I will be honest. I think there was a little bit of that was a little bit sarcastic, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. From watching the video. Oh, I think I mean, there may be some context missing too. But hey, we'll take yeah. it. I think. I mean, he. I think he knows what he's saying because we saw him uh, last year going at it with him all all year. But uh, but yeah, no, that was. Uh, that was obviously great, especially after getting the goal away of Doff. You know, when you're thinking, oh, oh crap, here, here, it's going to get get him back in the game. And to, you know, to get that uh, Hartman goal from Foligno right after that happened was was huge. And, and like you said, just the, you, you love you love seeing it rubbed in the face of, uh, as I put it, the whiny little bitch who happens to be the most overpaid and overrated player in the league. So. <laughs> I, I think that was the most rich part about that whole thing. It's like... Uh-huh. You, the eleven million dollar defenseman, who Whew. don't get me wrong, at at the time he got that contract, he you know probably deserved it. He was one of the best in the league. But ever since signing that, he has regressed heavily and has yeah. not been nearly as good. I will I will give him credit. He's off to a little bit better start uh, so mm-hmm. far this year. He's been racking up the points a little bit. So maybe starting to back it up a little bit. But it was pretty big talk coming from someone who uh, I think yeah. is widely considered to be one of the most overplayed players in hockey right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of curious what the missing context is because you kind of see him in the video kind of look down and kind of scratch his ear like he's going to say something else. But uh, uh, nonetheless, it did unsurprisingly mm-hmm. fire up the wild fans and, you know, a bunch of memes and yeah. I mean, other I posts think... came flying out after that <laughs> to the to the defense of Mr. Kaprizov. And I, I just think that's uh, just kind of how he is because it seems like in the past, whenever he's not listed on like projected Olympic rosters or something, he's always like going on some radio station or something and complaining about it. And it's, it's you know you get you get a reputation even if you're choking there. The so. ego's big. Yeah, but hey, you got dragged on the ice on a guy on his belly and wrapped around the whole net and scored on you. So <laughs> and got completely walked to let a guy score his first career goal. We could, we, we could keep going on, but I think yeah. uh, yep. I think we'll, the points we'll been drilled home enough. Yeah, and Duheim, Duheim, almost. Oh, you got that goal called back, or it didn't count, but 
he almost allowed Duhame's first goal too. I was like, he almost allowed our first goal on our rookies two years in a row. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about Duheim here in a little bit. But let's get to what everyone wants to freaking talk about. That game on Tuesday night, uh, Zeke and I had the honor of, of being back in the X with 18,154 other people um, welcoming the Wild back to the X for the first time in basically a year and a half. Um, if you've noticed, my voice might not sound the same uh, tonight, and that is because I am still recovering um, my voice from, from Tuesday night when I lost it screaming. But, I mean, what just an unbelievable game. Uh, I, I've been discussing this with people, and I think it's basically consensus that this is probably a top three regular season wild game yeah. of all time. I think you just look yeah. at it from the perspective of, you know, first time we have fans back, like I said, like a year and a half, against a division rival, you have a hat trick in the game. The team battled back from a deficit four times. You know, you have a you have a hat trick. You have a big fight. You have a goal called back to offsides. You have overtime. Like, everything... Mm-hmm. You wanted in that game, you got. I joke, one of the guys went to the game. It was his first ever wild game that he'd ever been to. First ever, like, hockey game. And I looked mm-hmm. at him after the game and I said, you can never go to a game again because it's going to let you down. Like, <laughs> this game literally had everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know where you guys want to start with this, but, uh, I mean, it was just unbelievable to watch. Well, I think uh, just my first thing is I think, uh, you know, the obviously the tribute video they did to Tom Curvers at the beginning of the game was really nice. Really cool. Uh, instead, instead of doing the player introduction, so, you know, I think it's a – it's obviously, you know, every if you read anything, you know how much he meant to the team and to the management team, and it was it's been cool to see how they've you know treated his family and all that, and, and what they've done uh, for him and his memory. So that was a really nice way to start off the game, but but yeah, no, I think you know I, when I when I walked in, you know, r- before the game, you know, sat down probably ten minutes before whatever, like you could just tell right away that yeah, you know, I think Roos said it on K Fan today that you know. You know, it's not a shot at people, but here we're maybe not one of the most loud, Absolutely, I guess, yeah, groups which, of fans in the world. Which is bizarre, but... Yeah, which... But, you know, I mean, from the second that game started, even before, you know, right around the National Anthems, before that, it just... You know, it's there was obviously that extra juice there for most people being back the first time, and and it was great. And I think, you know, my, the, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of this game is right away when, you know, and Capri Soft steps onto the ice for the first time, and there's a loud, like you know, loud cheer, like kind of yeah. applause. And then he makes that spin move and, you know, people oh, start losing their minds. Man, like, w- if, you, if you would have buried that top shelf, it would Yeah, uh, And I, th- I think what even kind of added to that, so the Wild took a penalty on the first shift. I believe Dumba, oh, yeah. um, yeah. D- Dumba got a cross check, which I'm really glad to see. The, f- the, f- the the NHL told us they were going to crack down on that this year. We've seen it happen so far, which I'm really glad mm-hmm. to see. But they started with the Felino line. Dumba takes the penalty. So that was about Right at the end of that shift, like 45 seconds in the game. So then Wild killed the penalty for two minutes. So you basically went three minutes before Kaprizov touched the ice. And then Zeke, yeah. as you mentioned, all of a sudden he you know, comes off the bench, gets a pass, you know, makes a sweet spin around the defender and just puts it wide. I mean, this, I mean, you could just feel like yeah. the, the everything that was holding the roof down was like starting to lift up a little bit and it just kind of settled down there. But, I mean, it was nuts. Every time he touched the puck, you could just feel like everyone kind of leaned forward yeah. in their seats all, all game long. I think uh, one thing that really stood out to me was even uh, I'll start with, uh, you know, Marcus Foligno. Did you see his quote <laughs> at the end of the game about uh, Tom Curvers? Now he's, he felt like he was there in spirit and basically kind of mm-hmm. in a way carried them to that, that win. But I mean, you're just seeing, we already knew he was going to be a good leader, but just his leadership, he's, he's the one that did the Superman punch in the fight, got the crowd into it, got that, oh. that fourth goal that really kind of 
got the team rolling because after that I felt like we were just I thought we were going to tie it uh, you know until the empty net and then the goal called back but it just felt like we were buzzing after that and you know I, I don't think we could have picked a better person to be you know assistant captain for this team or yeah. alternate captain whatever you want to say but his uh, ascension just, I think from yeah. I mean you, you start you know the trade and you know it's it's you know a, a pretty popular guy and Marco Scandella goes to Buffalo um uh in the wild, you know, get back Ennis and Felino, and it's kind of like, oh, who the frick are these guys? Like, you look at the mm-hmm. stat sheets, like, oh, they don't really have done anything impressive. Yeah. Felino's kind of quiet in that first year, and then, you know, all of a sudden, as, you know, last couple years, he's just, you know, emerged as this just fan favorite. I mean, it's it's impossible not to love the guy and be the way yeah. he sticks up for teammates. I mean, that fight was all due to, uh, yeah. You know the, the 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 Jets taking some licks of Kaprizov and Dylan stepped up and mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll give Brandon Dylan credit that was a heavyweight scrap they both landed some really yeah. solid punches oh, yeah. uh, it was it was a great scrap and Flino you know comes to the bench whips his elbow pads to the ice I mean the building <laughs> at that point was just absolutely going nuts Ooh. and I was like God I mean it it sucks that there's you know two and a half minutes left in this period because this building mm-hmm. is just absolutely yeah. electric right now and. And just for him to wear that A and to stand up for teammates and then, you know, to score big goals, you know, on the power play to get him within one. I mean, he's yeah. just, you know, he has the game winner tonight. I mean, th- this isn't a guy that's, you know, supposed to, you know, necessarily be a, you know, a leader offensively. But we saw it last year, league leader in shooting percentage. He's got two goals already this year. Like, he's just, it's impossible not to love Marcus Foligno. And it's just, the every time I watch him, I just like him more and more. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I mean, sorry, sorry, Zeke, I'm going to go ahead and say okay. it too. Uh, I feel like he's uh, a power forward that can score now. Like he's more than just a fighter or a oh, guy absolutely. that you know can lay yeah. the hit and stuff. He, he's he's bringing more to the table each season. It seems like. No, well, I mean you can see uh, you know how much obviously all the fans love him because you, know, you get the the moose every time he touched the puck, which is really cool because I can't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, not yeah. the. I mean, there hasn't been a wild play that's kind of had that ooh sound in the past, but yeah, yeah it was every time Moose had the puck, it was it was the it's Moose like, chant, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I think my favorite thing about him is just always going on in the forecheck, though, how hard that guy goes in there. Oh, yeah. It's like if, the puck, if, like, crashes the boards. Yeah, it's, if you're not so passing fun. the puck, you're getting hit, so. Oh, yeah, just slammed. So, yeah, no, he's, because I remember, like you said, Brett, that when he got that four-year contract, I remember people were, people were none too pleased at the time. So, but that, uh, one of, that's one of Chuck Fletcher's best moves, who, uh, you know, who you oh, happen sure. to see, who you happen to see in the suite after the game. Uh, <laughs> I was so hyped up on Adrenaline. So for context, uh, we're walking. So I, I got to sit on a suite level. A buddy of mine, uh, the company he works for, got suite tickets. Mm-hmm. He got to bring some guests. Took uh, was nice enough to take me along. And we were walking out, and I fist bumped with Craig Leopold, um, <laughs> and a bunch of the Wild Brass. And like in my head, I knew exactly what it was. Like I even told my yeah. friends, like we were walking, like, "Hey, that's Craig Leopold. It's one of the Wild." Um, and they, you know, we're cheering, and you know, we're. Mm-hmm. You know, doing doing fist bumps, and I tweet just sh- sheer adrenaline just still like flowing <laughs> through me, and I just like I I typed out Chuck Fletcher and like didn't notice it until someone pointed it out, yeah. and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have extremely confused a lot of people. I meant Craig yeah. Leopold, but I was extremely confused honestly, and I was like, did he just come to scout the wild or <laughs> or what? Like. <laughs> What's going yeah, on? Was, Chuck Fletcher at the game. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, thankfully, but... everyone forgave me. Uh, th- thanks, oh, yeah. for th- thanks for those of you who pointed out, though, so I was able to correct it uh, a little bit later oh, on. Yeah. But let, let's dive into this game a little more. You know, obviously, the storyline, we'll, we'll start with the line as a whole and then kind of go player by player. Uh, the Wilds' first line, I mean, that is, in my memory, the first time in a long time I can remember a Wilds, 
you know, actual top line going out and dominating in every way possible mm-hmm. um, and in a long time, um, probably since, you know, it was the Koivu line, you know, back in like 2016. Um, but I, I tweeted this out after the game, um, but I'll, I'll kind of go through it again here. 5v5 uh, that night, just 10-13 of, of time on ice together at 5-on-5, five five, largely due to a second period that was heavily special teams. But they had one goal at 5-on-5, five five, uh, 63.48% Corsi 4 percentage, 88.07 expected goals 4 percentage, uh, 10 to 2 on the scoring chance advantage, 4 nothing on high danger chance advantage. Basically, when they were on the ice, Winnipeg wasn't anywhere near the offensive zone, and they were generating chances. And then you look individually. Obviously, Jewel Eriksson-Eck has an absolutely career night. Three goals, 19 out of 24 on faceoffs. Kaprizov, you know, after you know, kind of a slow start, maybe getting pushed around a little, frustrated a little bit, ends ends up the game with three assists. And then Matt Zuccarello, um, f- from the gate, two goals, two assists, four point night for him. Uh, I mean, that line, power play, penalty kill, even strength, they were just absolutely and completely dominant. Um, and I think it put to rest any doubt that Jewel Eriksson is, you know, emerging as potentially one of the best, you know, one of the best two way centers in hockey. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, what I thought was pretty neat too is all of X goals. It was five on four, six on five, four on three. It was not even strength. Didn't he score a lot of even strength goals last season? Like yep. a majority. I think like all but and, two maybe. Yeah, and all of them. Though, this past game were, you know, they're all big goals, but they're all man advantage of some sort. And then yeah, two, two power you know, play goals on the empty, and then uh, what the what the goalie pulled. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is what we've been asking for and what we've been clamoring for and it paid off. I mean, yeah. that line's insane to watch. It's so much fun. He's and, a tenth of the way to 30. Uh, I thought I'd point that out there. Hey, I mean, if, you, if you're going to keep uh, sitting in front of the net and get passes like that all the time, I don't think that's entirely out of the question, which would be insane if he actually scores 30 this year. Like, to think... It went from the guy a couple like you know three years ago going 35 games without a goal to scoring 30 goals. But I mean, you know, he was a first round pick. That's why you know, like like Justin said, we all were asking for just just give him a shot because you, know, you didn't pick a guy 20th overall, intending him usually to be a checking line forward. So and and like like I mean, I tweeted out too. He's, the guy's just an absolute beast. I mean, you know, Evans and he his quote a few weeks ago was, "You can't play him enough," and, and you know that's really true because. He's just uh, like you guys mentioned. He's just so good, and if he was even good in the faceoff circle, it wasn't was, he something like nineteen for twenty five, eighteen for twenty five, nineteen for like twenty four. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you're not going to be that good in the faceoff circle every game, but if he, you know, that was like kind of the one thing about his game that everyone was talking about that you know if he could just get around fifty percent on the draws, that you know that he'd make him better. And man, I think it's it's yeah no he's just uh he's just amazing and i think bruce said too he you know all his goals combined were probably scored about four or five feet from you know the front of the net there which again you know he, we've seen he's got skill but i mean like i said earlier if he can just you know that's what he does he goes plants himself in front of the net uh and with the attention that kaprizov draws especially i mean he's gonna get his chances to, to score and get shots on goal if he keeps doing that so it's it's really great to see yeah, and, and I think even on top of that, too, I mean, it, you know, it wasn't just Eck banging home rebounds. You know, the first one's mm-hmm. a wraparound yeah, um, yeah. off kind of a weird cam off the boards. The yeah. the game-tying goal is a oh, no-look tomahawk backhander out Back of game. midair that goes five-hole. I mean, obviously kind of a lucky goal, but, I mean, you still got to have the skill to do that. 
And then in overtime, you know, he basically gets it served up on a platter after Kaprizov and Fiala do a little give and go on a three on one. Um, but just, I mean, just to see, you know, him not just banging home rebounds too, you know, finding, you know, making these plays. We know his shot's good, but I mean, I think he had, uh, I, th- I see I have, I have right in front of me here. Um, that night as well, t- 10 shot attempts. Um, seven of those were high danger chances. Um, <laughs> Seven of them ended up on net. So, I mean, he was just an absolute monster. Um, I mean, that's probably a career game for him this year. But, I mean, yeah. <laughs> he, I, I joked he broke my PCS model at 9.04, which some <laughs> players won't even accumulate <laughs> over, you know, five games. Um, mm-hmm. But he was just awesome. And it was just, it was great. It's just great to see, you know, the Wild, you know, emerging as, you know, having this, this true top line. And then you kind of have these other three lines that you can roll kind of evenly, confidently, and kind of situationally, depending on who the other line is and, and what you're looking for and at what point in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to bring up, you know, we, we talk about their great games and and that great, sweet tic-tac-toe game-winning goal, but Cam Talbot, for as rough as a game he had, he had unreal in overtime. the game, that insane save right before the goal was three-on-one mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah. saved the game and then and gave us that chance to win and that we buried. Yeah, my, I mean, my, that was... That was right after, uh, well, they, you know, they were in the zone on the power play doing the, the typical uh, pass around the perimeter, which, you know, was I was up by where I was sitting. People were getting frustrated. Like, uh, I think it was Fiala who kind of lost the pass. My dad was uh, my dad was none too pleased with, with that play. But because I thought the second he passed that puck over, though, that that was going to be tap in game over. And I was, you know, it would have sucked. But, I mean, like you said, uh, that's really all they need from their goalies. Uh you know, even if they don't have a great game, you know, that's that's the great thing now is we got the offensive firepower to be able to keep up occasionally if we need to. So, yeah, and uh, it was funny. My uh, my, my buddy sitting next to me at the game, you know, a bunch of times, I'm like, gosh, Talbot can't Talbot can't stop a beach ball tonight. And I said, he he's a guy that comes up big late. I said, you just watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. sure enough, there in overtime, he makes the big save. And yeah, um, good game. Yeah, the final thing, I mean, we, we touched on a little bit, but I mean, just the, and, and Everson alluded to this in the press conference, but the energy in the crowd late in that game was, was unbelievable. I mean, just fan, like usually it takes, you know, playing loud music or throwing some up on the Jumbotron or Nordy banging the drum to kind of get the crowd <laughs> going, but it was a lot of like the crowd starting the chants and, and getting loud and really hyping this team up, and I think the players felt it and you saw it. Um, <laughs> the funniest part, which has it's been talked about a lot at this point, but um, when Winnipeg scored the empty netter, I think you saw you know, thousand, two thousand fans start heading to the exits, and then all of a sudden they hear some loud cheers and they're uh, they're sprinting back down the stairs at the next whistle just in time <laughs> to see the Ek goal. But uh, never leave early, folks. Hopefully that's a lesson learned. Never leave the game early. You, you paid to be there. You might as well see it through. Yeah, paid like yeah. a decent penny too to be there. Right. So. So I've been to a playoff game where we got smashed by the Blues like seven to two, and I stayed to the last horn. I mean, the fact that I'm sure some people actually did miss out on that that ending, and probably kicking themselves and thinking I'm Oof. never leaving early again. You just never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the. I mean, that's the the fun thing about sports. You just uh, you never know what you're going to see, and and I mean, I th- I think you know, like like Brett said, just to reemphasize, I think. You know, like like we talked about, it was just loud throughout the whole game, like you said. Like even when they're down five three with, you know, five and a half minutes left going on the power play, like, you know, usually most of the time you're not gonna come back from that. But I think 
just for some reason this you know you obviously would not like to come back have to come back every time but for some reason there's just the way the team plays like even if they're not going to win like you know last night like for it obviously looked like they weren't going to win despite playing pretty well you know there's you know there's reason to to stick around and to keep watching and, and to keep keep the energy up because just just the way they played the game just the way, how together they are is just uh, so fun to watch and, and i mean hey it's that's how you're gonna that's i mean we saw last year with kaprizov how much he drove he started to drive in more even casual fans back into attention to the team mm-hmm. i mean if you're gonna play that i mean obviously they're they're starting to get national attention now too you know people want to watch them like it's not it's you know like they said it's not the that's many people thought the boring old wild anymore. So, yeah, and I I think the big thing too. I think you know, there's a belief in this fan base again in this team. You know, I think that there's a belief, there's an expectation that this team is is past the mediocre bump. They have expectations. They they believe in this team. They want to rally behind him, and I think you can see it in the players too. The players believe in themselves. I alluded yeah. to this kind of at the top of talking about the Jets game, but they were down in this game one nothing, two one, three two, and five three. And all four times they came back, t- scored goals. Um, a lot of times, almost like immediately, you know, not, not the amount of minutes trailed in that game probably came major. You know, the majority of that was probably when they were down five to three. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think it probably. I don't think it was more than half the game. I mean, they they always battled back, which which it's you'd love to see because I, I you know I, this was discussed on Twitter too by some fans. It's, you know, past wild teams don't di- didn't do that no. right. They they were down okay. and out. Um, and nope. it's you know I think that comes with leadership group. It comes with the culture. It comes with the coaching. Um, it comes with the depth. But it was it was great to see those guys battle back. And I think that the difference is is that you know you would have in the past some wild teams where they would get down and they wouldn't be playing great, and then all of a sudden they last like five, two minutes, score two goals, make it a one goal game or something like that. And it would be you know not play great, but then at the end realize you know oh shit we got to go, uh, we got to get back in there. But you know even when they're down now. It's, you know, it's never like a lack of effort. And that's always me. Like if you, if you can see, if I can see, you know, there's the intensity and the effort and the cares there, even if you lose, like, I'm not going to get too riled up about it. Right. And, and just because you can, you just truly know that the team cares. And I think obviously the most exciting thing is that uh, as good as they look now and as well, however good they might finish this year as, uh, you know, it should, you know, if things go right, they should, it should only be getting better. Right. This is just from, the start. Yeah, so I think that's the just the most exciting thing of it all. Yeah, I was going to add that, but you are, you hit it on the head, nail on the head. I don't really have much to add other than to reiterate. This is a far from finished product, and and the way they're drafting and scouting and have a development in place, and the the way they're making these guys earn their spots. That you know, guys have earned them in the past, but it, it just it feels totally different from from the top all the way down to maybe even the ECHL and scouting, just everything is mm-hmm. so much better than it has been in the past. Yeah. So I, I want to move on here, talk a little bit about some individual players. And I want to start with a player who I think has flown a little bit under the radar, um, a, a controversial player, a guy that a lot of fans have been, you know, kind of trying to get out of here. And that's Matt Dumba. Um, and his first three games this year have been absolutely incredible. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, th- th- this is the Matt Dumba that we saw a couple years ago. He may not have the raw goals assist to show for it, but just here's a look at kind of the analytics for Matt Dumba right now. Individual shot attempts uh, through three games, he has 28 of them. That is tied for third in the NHL, <laughs> all all players. Um, only behind Mitch Marner, who has 30, 
and Victor Hedman has 32. Oh, by the way, they've each played one more game than Matt Dumba. Uh, shots that have actually gotten to the net, uh, 17 of those for Matt Dumba. That's third best in the league. Uh, all forwards, all defensemen included. Um, ahead of him, Patrick Kane uh, and Mitch Marner, each with 18. Oh, yeah, by the way, they each have played four games. Uh, Jeez. Uh, another stat, individual expected goals. Um, yep, he's got a .84 for that. That's third best among all defensemen in the NHL right now. Uh, his Corsi 4 among defensemen with at least 50 minutes of ice time, 61.6%. Uh, that's fourth best. His expected goals percentage, uh, first at 74.29%. Uh, again, minimum 50 minutes. Uh, 3.29 expected goals, that's seventh. His 1.14 expected goals against, that is sixth best among all defensemen. I mean, he, him and Brodeen, uh, obviously credit to Brodeen here too because, you know, they're, they're a pair, but... I mean, th- this is the Matt Dumba that we that we wanted to come back, mm-hmm. um, I, and I've preached it. I said your value for Matt Dumba comes because he's he's an offensive guy. He likes to take risks. You know, he's going to push the offense. But I mean, n- now we're seeing him add that defensive aspect to his game, um, and I think you know th- these goals and these assists are are going to start coming for him. I believe he had the the game winning assist on the Felino goal um, mm-hmm. against the Ducks too. So I mean, it's, it's plays like that. But I mean, some of this stuff flies under the radar, but. Matt Dumba has been nothing short of incredible here these first three games. Yeah, I think you're always going to have those guys, girls, fans, whoever. Um, there's always going to be people that don't like Dumba just because it's Dumba. They're, they're always going to say, oh, he's always a, a turnover machine or he makes boneheaded plays. But like you mentioned, you know, that's part of just the offensive game that he plays. And, you know, he's, you know, proven defensively. But uh, something I, you know, maybe. I don't know, just a thought I've had in my head. Ever since you slapped the A on Dumba and Felino, they're, I mean, Felino had a good season last year too, but I feel like they've upped their game even more with the, with mm-hmm. the A's on their chest. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, we already obviously know how much of a, you know, is like an emotional leader and kind of like hype man that he is in the locker room. I mean, he's, I think he's always been like the team DJ and stuff like that. And you obviously see him in the videos, you know, hyping all the guys up. So, Obviously, it's great because I mean, I remember Brett. I saw your tweet after the game on Tuesday, and he said nine shots, and I had to read it again. I thought that said nine attempted, like you know, no, nine, nine shots, shots on, on goal is just insane. And I think the thing is too is that you know we're a lot of times we're used to you know as much as he was good, Ryan Suter with his you know kind of half-hearted wrist shots right up the point, like you know, Dumba. He's not just throwing them on net. These are like bombs half the time. He's winding up, you know, really getting everything he's got behind it, and. You know, just the fact that you can get nine through in a game, especially on D, is, is is absolutely insane. And I mean, you know, it's still I get why they have Spurgeon in the power play unit because you know he's he's maybe a little bit better at moving the puck out and breaking it out and all that. But you just uh, you know, I think obviously it's in the second unit. But like you said, Brett, if you I mean, if you shoot, if anybody on any team, any player shoots the puck nine times a game, you're gonna score eventually. Like, They're gonna it's, come. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, so and. And even then, like, you know, people just look at raw point totals as is the contribution only that. And that's why even last year there was people ripping on him for that. It's like, well, you know, sometimes that doesn't exactly translate. But I mean, you can you, you can just see the, the, the tangible and intangible impact that he has on pretty much everywhere he goes. Yeah. And, you know, we alluded to how good that that first line was. Um, but mm-hmm. And it kind of overshadowed Dumba. But he played almost 26 minutes that night. Zeke has alluded to nine shots on goal, 11, 
shot attempts, uh, 0.3 individual expected goals. He did pick up an assist that night. He was a plus two. He had four hits, three block shots. Um, his even strength expected goals against just 0.3. Um, second best on the team, only behind Brodine, who was his partner. Like everywhere on the ice, all situations, he was great. Um, you know, it, it, he wasn't the problem defensively at all, and he was certainly helping to drive the offense as well that night uh, with 1.41 expected goals uh, on ice at even strength as well. So just great. Um, hoping, I mean, I, I think the levels he's at now are maybe a little bit unsustainable. Um, you know, re- regression always comes, but I mean, th- this is what we wanted to see out of Matt Dumba this year. Um, and I, I'd keep a close eye on him because we, you know, th- this could be kind of that, that resurgent year, um, for him this year. Yep. Couple other players that I uh, just kind of want to talk about here before we wrap up the show. Um, Brandon Duheim is the first one. Um, we we him being oh so close so many times these first couple games uh, to uh, to to that first career goal. Um, there was some controversy whether or not he should have made the team, um, but he has looked very very good, and I've been nothing short uh, of impressed with with Brandon Duheim so far. Yeah, I think we're seeing the exact reason why he made the team. I mean, he's going to be that guy that fills a bottom six role. I mean, maybe more in the future, but I think that's where he stays. But he's just, he's got speed. He's got size. He's, you know, he's gritty. He's, you know, he saw him in that Jets game. I think it was on Josh Morrissey that smashed him. Yeah, you know, he just smashed him. You know, he's, he's coming up with scoring chances. He's, you know, tough in front of the net. He's just one of those guys that, you know, Stanley Cup teams in the future, you know, maybe in the future, hopefully in the future, you know, these are the type of guys you want on that, that bottom six role that, that can kind of do everything and fill mm-hmm. fill a role where he needs to. Yeah, just like, I mean, my favorite thing is his speed. I mean, you know, to be honest, I never really watched him much before. And you know, just that first preseason game when he scored that one goal against St. Louis and went, you know, kind of high top shelf from a tough angle, like you just – uh you know, maybe he's not, maybe he's not obviously the most skilled guy in the world, but I mean, so far, you know, they haven't really scored, but I think that he just fits really well on that fourth line with uh, Bukestad and Sturm. And I mean, if you, you know, if that's your fourth line, I think you're doing pretty good compared to a lot of other teams in the <laughs> Absolutely. league. Absolutely. So I, you know, I just, I just think his, his just speed is just, I think is my favorite part. Yeah. And, and this is prior to the, uh, the big explosion game for Eck. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, on Tuesday night, but but after two games, he was leading all the wild players in individual expected goals through two games. Hmm. Um, he had the most high danger shots among all wild players through through the first two games, and that was playing pretty limited ice. Which means he's yeah. getting in there around the net, getting chances for himself. And Zeke alluded to, I think that there's just a I, I see a really good synergy between him and Nico Sturm. They both play that similar, you know, no, north south, you know, fast game, you know, score, scoring touch, nothing nothing too crazy, but I mean it's. When you can put two big, physical, fast players, the ability to score out against you know top lines, when you need to give your other guys a break, that that's a mm-hmm. huge advantage to have and a luxury that not too many teams have. Yeah, right. And, and maybe we're seeing some of the chemistry that you know they've played together in the past. Like I brought up uh, in previous shows, they played Tri City together, I believe it was. So you know, kudos to a great college free agent signing and uh, Duheim who didn't have a bad college career, but a guy that you didn't maybe see this coming, but has developed really quite well. Really hoping he, he gets his first goal here soon because uh, he absolutely mm-hmm. deserves it. Um, that, that's the only thing yeah. that could have capped off uh, yeah. a Tuesday night if he, if he would have buried one. Um, yeah. I have a couple more players I want to talk about here. We can probably just briefly, briefly touch on Freddie Goudreau. 
Um, Pretty hockey. He made us eat every word uh, we said following the preseason. Uh, he's looked absolutely great uh, these first three games. Uh, complete 180 from the preseason. I mean, you know, I think you saw obviously the the goal he had on the nice feed from Fiala just blasted the one over the over quick there. I mean, he had the the one in the third period to uh, a couple nights ago against Winnipeg where he, uh, you know, kind of in the third period kind of cut to the middle of the ice and flipped it high off the crossbar. I mean, because I remember our gripe, I think, was that he just didn't seem like he could handle the puck very well. Yep. And, I mean, I guess, you know, that's maybe why you should never really read too much of the preseason because I guess, you know, as much as they say, you know, we, we're, we're, we want to win, we're here to win and all that all the time, like, you know, they're just, trying you know, not they're to just not trying. You know, that's, you know, that there's just, that's kind of a little bit of lip service there. Just, you know, trying to to, to to make it look better than it is. But, yeah, no, I think that's been the biggest thing. I mean, obviously he's not this, you know, skilled dynamo, but I think, you know, I think he, uh, I was, you know, we were obviously really worried about how he would work with Fiala. And I think so far he's, uh, he's shown himself to, with playing very few NHL games up until this year, I think he's for sure can definitely fit in on that third line. Yeah, this is why I said during the preseason that uh, I want to wait to see how it goes in the season when these guys start to build chemistry and, and the games really actually count and matter. So, yeah. you know, a pretty good uh, three-game st- uh, start. He's looked pretty good. Like you said, maybe his, what was his stick handling maybe isn't the best. but uh, Looks better. But, yeah, it looks better, and uh, hopefully it continues to build chemistry and then get even better and then make us eat our words even more. Yeah. And then uh... – uh, we'll we'll skip the last one for now. I don't I don't, I don't think it's worth speculating right now. Um, Zeke, there was one more topic you kind of wanted to hit on here before we wrap up, and that was just kind of the uh, the new broadcasts we've uh, been able to see between uh, ESPN and TNT. So uh, it was your idea. So I mean, we yeah. touched a little bit earlier on uh, Aaliyah Hextall during the Ducks game, which was absolutely brutal to listen to, all, all for women, you know, do, doing play by play, but the yeah. the energy just wasn't there. You know, I just think, you know, my thought is just overall, I think, you know, obviously, you know, every other sport, major sport in the world pretty much is on more than one TV network. I mean, NFL, CBS, NBC, et cetera, et cetera. NBA is in multiple places, too. And I think, you know, because one, you're just going to make more money by having them on two anyways. But I mean, obviously, I think the big one is ESPN because they're the, you know, the obviously, as they call themselves, worldwide leader in sports. If you're if you're a sports fan, you probably watch ESPN or have at some point. And obviously, just great to have, you know, their 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 reach and their, you know, power to like kind of spread the game and the TV and the highlights, et cetera, et cetera. But I've just really liked uh, so far, especially on TNT, the intermission panel. Um, you know, I think it's mainly been Wayne Gretzky, uh, you know, Paul Bissonnette, who you can have various opinions on uh, based on the time he he did get roasted a little bit there by Gretzky in the game the other day. And also I think Anson Carter and uh, who was the other guy? Uh, Charles Barkley was there too. Wasn't yeah. He? he was at the, he's on the first yeah. team. Yeah. yeah. For the opener. <laughs> had him in the goalie pads and then that, the, and then obviously uh, Liam McHugh from ESPN, but I feel like, you know, NBC was fine, but I think they had kind of gotten stale where they just did the, they didn't really try to do much. It was kind of, you know, they kind of guess played it safe, typical hockey analysis. There wasn't really much, it was kind of dry, whereas like now on TNT, like you know, there's, you know, like I said, they're, they're taking you know half-hearted shots at each other, making jokes. It's it's fun. Like I've been, you know, really impressed by Gretzky. Like you know, I mean, obviously he's Wayne Gretzky, but you just never know how, you know, he's. I mean, to be honest, he's well, kind of getting nice older. It's nice to hear, so. you know, Wayne Gretzky tell me what a team's doing well and not doing well yeah. instead of freaking Mike Milbury, right? Like, oh god, right. yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I just think the 
it's just so much more like fun to listen to. And there's actually like a reason to watch the intermission now. Cause before on NBC, it just tune out, go to the bathroom, get a snack, look on my phone, you know? And I just, uh, I don't know. I just wanted to uh, just kind of, you know, just uh, give props to NHL for, for uh, getting that set up. Cause I think it's, uh, it's really good. I think for obviously for the sport and just for growing it and exposing it to more fans around the world. Yeah, I don't got much to add to that. I was just going to say maybe they can market the game like they do with basketball and such and, and grow it like you mentioned. And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't feel any energy with that that first crew that we listened to. Um, yeah, You know, small sample size, but I hope that gets better. But there's nothing like, in my opinion, you know, he gets a lot of grief and knocks from a lot of fans, but I love Anthony LaPanta calling games. Like mm-hmm. him and like Ryan Carter together or something. But, uh, yeah, it, overall, I, I did enjoy the, the ESPN and bringing back the theme theme night song to just oh, yeah. uh, kind of brings you back. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a pretty good recap. We have some other topics that we'll get to. Um, we've got two guests lined up here kind of in the next couple days. Um, I'll, I'll reveal one of them. We have Dave Schwartz of Care 11 Sports um, joining us Sunday uh, evening, I believe. Right, Justin? Yeah, he hasn't responded, but uh, tentatively. Um, tentatively, but uh, yeah, that's he, he was saying this weekend. So hopefully, that's that's what hits. Yeah. So we're not sure uh, what what that'll consist of yet, but we'll be recapping, uh, you know, probably both the games since they're both early. So uh, hopefully, by the time we record uh, that Sunday evening game, will be done. But we'll uh, we'll recap those and and talk to Dave and just get some uh, you know some different insight on the show. And then uh, next uh, Wednesday. Um, we will be having a very special guest on uh, to talk some Minnesota Whitecaps, uh, maybe a little bit of Minnesota Wild social media, things like that. So um, watch out for that. We're really excited for that episode um, as we introduce kind of our uh, our special guest host who will be joining us weekly for about five to ten minutes and introduce her and uh, what, what her role is and all that stuff. So look forward to that. Should be really, really fun. Um, and then also we mentioned this on Twitter. Might have got looked over amidst the uh, the Halloween stuff, but... Um, effective next week, starting with that Wednesday show, we will be doing our, our recordings on Wednesday night, which means the the shows will be uh, in your docs on on Thursday mornings. The reason for the change, um, if I count correctly, the Wild only have five games all year on Wednesday nights, and pretty much all of the other ones are like a lot of Tuesdays, Thursdays. So just to make sure we can watch the games and, and break things down a little bit easier, we wanted to switch the day. And also, uh, Justin, being his, the busy dad that he is, has some uh, hockey on Thursday nights and things like that too. So. It works out, so hopefully it doesn't mess up your podcast listening schedule, but uh, that is the plan kind of moving forward. So just wanted to get that out there as well. All right, gentlemen. Well, uh, we got about three minutes left here before we get kicked off of our uh, recording, but uh, <laughs> any kind of quick final thoughts here before we sign off? No, I mean, continue to enjoy these games. These next two games are very winnable as well, so you, know, you never know how they're going to go, but uh, just enjoy. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's just it's been a blast. Um, I'll be at the, the game again against Saturday against the Ducks. Uh, so obviously, I'll be looking forward to that. Hoping, you know, hoping with games against Anaheim and Nashville, two games at home that are pretty winnable. Uh, it'd be nice to come out uh, next weekend on Sunday night when we do our show or next week uh, with at least four and one. Uh, but, you know, it'd be really great to, again, to continue to kind of build that early season cushion and, and get a couple more wins this weekend. Definitely. Uh, so as Zeke mentioned, Anaheim, Nashville on the dock at this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, both 5 o'clock, so probably like 5.15 puck drops. 
Um, so you don't have to stay up until the crack after, <laughs> you know, basically till when the the, the full right. moon's out and it's the witching hour. Um, early games, <laughs> that'll be great. Uh, Dave Schwartz on Sunday, special guest next Wednesday. Uh, but that'll do it for today's show. Thanks for tuning in, especially if you're new, just found us. Welcome. We're glad to have you here. Merch still working on it. It should be coming. I'm hoping maybe late next week or the following week. We'll have some stuff out there to have you guys at least look at, figure out what you like best, and then we'll hopefully have it out there. So stay tuned for that. But this has been another episode of Sound the Foghorn. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. Have a good one.